Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support for all the books comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Do they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti gelato and sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest. They're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 112, and today we are talking about our favorite books of 2017 so far. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi there. I can't believe we're doing the halftime show already. I know, it's crazy. It feels like we just started talking about new books, and now, boom! I know, I was like, have I really read half a year's worth of books already? And I went to my spreadsheet, and the answer is that I have, because it's been basically half a year, and it just has flown by. Everything that I'm adding to my, you know, TBR, you know, for galleys and stuff now are things coming out in January, February, March. Oh, it's man, just you're, crazy. You're ahead of me. I'm at the catalogs for September right now. Well, it's just like stuff like I'm getting in the mail and I'm like, oh, that looks good. When does it come out? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Next year. Next oh, year, that's right. Year. Yeah. It's usually like July that that stuff starts happening. It's like, why are we talking about next year? I'm not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any themes to your picks today? I just noticed I kind of have a couple. Oh, I don't think so. No. So, um, well, yeah, but it's kind of grim, so maybe I won't say it out loud. <laughs> the the uh, the liberty <laughs> theme is usually that it's kind of grim, so I yeah. guess we'll just do you want to like brand. tell us your theme? You want to well first uh, first, well, we- you know, actually. It's not actually like themes between the books. It's just we each picked six titles this week as opposed to our usual four so that we could highlight more of our favorites. And I realized that I did mine are in no particular order. So it's not like the first one is my most favorite, but I did all my fiction first and then I did my nonfiction. And it's all it's novels and memoirs, um, which is interesting for me. Like there's not a big work of like literary nonfiction on here. There's also not a short story collection for me that made the top six. Um, it's kind of surprising. I bet that'll be different by the end of the year. But yeah, I was just looking at my notes like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Before we get started, can we do a couple of housekeeping things? Yes, we should definitely housekeep. First, this Friday is the first episode of All the Backlist. Woo woo. I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous to do it without you. Because you're, uh, remi- you're the, the one that's like, that's not how you say that. <laughs> you know, like, try that again. Uh, so, well, let's remind our friends at home what all the backlist is. Oh, right. So it is a little spinoff of all the books in which I will tell you what some fabulous backlist, back, backlist, backlist. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a different, a different podcast. podcast. 
backlist titles. Backlist being like all the stuff that isn't new. And I'm going to like kind of do a theme. I'll like pick some that relate to the new releases that come out that week or maybe like what's current in current events or, you know, just anything that I feel like. Um, just some more, you know, titles and books to learn about, because why not? I think that's going to be so much fun. I'm excited to get to listen to you on a podcast where I don't know what you're about to say. I'll, it'll just be like, I miss Rebecca. <laughs> well, if your shows become like a three tissue thing, <laughs> I'll just, I'll come back. Okay. Well, you're a very busy lady. Well, we have, uh, speaking of housekeeping and podcast housekeeping is like the only kind of housekeeping that I'm any good at. So I'm going to move us right along. We have a title to retire this year. Last year on the halftime show, we had to retire the queen of the night by Alexander Chi because we had talked about it so much. Um, and the book that we're retiring today, instead of giving it its own whole spot on the show, because we both loved it and have talked about it extensively, we are hanging all grown up by Jamie Attenberg into the ATB Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, one of the best books of the year, no doubt. Definitely. We can, be heard, we can be heard rhapsodizing about it on multiple episodes, and we'll probably take it down off the shelf at the end of the year for the yearly wrap-up show. But that is why there's no all-grown-up segment today, because it's gotten a lot of segments, and we love Jamie, and y'all know that we loved this book. Um, so take that for what you will. Welcome to the ATB Hall of Fame, All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. Yay! Maybe Kyle can put in like a little like applause sound effect. Or like a little cheering sound effect there, like whenever we retire, a book's jersey. I like, like it. I like it. So. Um, I'll have to. I'll send Kyle a note about that. What did we get last time? We asked for sound effects. We got like a cash register yes. or something at one point. Yep, for the shopping list. So we're we are maybe a little very fancy. <laughs> that would be fun. The crowd goes wild. Yep. Um, someday we should have like a party with all of our Hall of Fame titles. Yeah, that would be fun. Do you want to kick one. us? Want to kick us off with your first pick? For I am the halftime but, show. But first, I just want to say that I am also not speaking about Lincoln and the Bardo and Exit mm. West because I talked about them a million times. They're obviously favorites. You've heard about them a bunch. So I'm going to talk about some books that I didn't talk about more than once. I don't think. And I'm going to start with one of my very favorites, The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker. It is about two young women who meet in art school, Sharon and Mel. They are kind of outsiders, even at art school, and they form this bond and they become BFFs because they both really like animation. They're both really into animation and they start to work together. And there's just like this little brief chapter at the beginning about their meeting. And then it fast forwards to a decade later. They've been working together. They live together. They have made a documentary about Mel's life. Mel has had a hard upbringing. Her mother is in jail. She's had, a, she's had a pretty rough, and they made a documentary, an animated documentary about it, and it's, like, taking all the film festivals by storm, and they're starting to become famous, and in the middle of dealing with their newfound fame, they decide to make one about Sharon's life, and they travel to Kentucky together, and they start, Sharon starts remembering more about a traumatic event from her childhood that happened when she lived in Kentucky, And Mel, on the other hand, is sort of the self-destructive one. She does a lot of drugs. She does a lot of drinking. She doesn't take care of herself. And they're having some some problems. There's a lot of friction there in their friendship. And while this is happening, Sharon turns to her childhood best friend, Teddy, because he was also there for this traumatic event. And he understands what's going on. And it sort of drives a bigger wedge uh, further between the friends, you know, further into their tumultuous relationship. And it's just, it's so sad but it's so full of heart 
and it's just this beautiful novel about like childhood realizations and you know how you know events that take place when you're a kid can affect you like how you grow up obviously they're a trigger warning for some some terrible things that happen um it's but the novel itself is just like I said it's got a really big heart and I just could not believe how much I enjoyed it it's so wonderful again it's called The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker I've had that one on my list since you talked about it the first time. So maybe I'll get to it by this winter's backlist binge when we're done with new releases. I'm like totally fine if I'm the only person that thinks a book is wonderful. But then when I see other people like see it popping up here and there, everybody going, oh, this is my favorite of the year. I'm like, oh, yay. Everyone else loves it too. We should mention if people want to get your insight on books that are coming up soon, we've added a new feature to the new release index, which is available through Book Riot Insiders, which is at insiders.bookriot.com. You can join to get access to the new release index for $5 a month. And Liberty curates that. And on many of the titles, if you click on them, you'll get info with the publisher's description, but you'll also get Liberty's notes about why she has selected the book. Or just general information about things that I know about it. Yeah, cool new feature that we've added over there. I need like um, a rating system, like like five cat hairballs or something. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a hairballs is not a compliment. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but my cat keeps trying to tell me they are. She keeps what is leaving it, like, them for me on my bed. <laughs> five toe beans up. Oh, I don't know anything oh, about cats. Toe <laughs> Do they even have five toe beans on each paw? Some, I'm a dog person. Sometimes. If they're, um, if they're double pod. Oh my God, this is the best conversation ever. Okay, you go next. I am out of my depth. That's like the end of my cat knowledge. So we should move back into books. Uh, my first pick this week is The Wanderers by Meg. Meg Howery, talk about a book with a lot of heart. Uh, This is about three astronauts who are training for the first mission to Mars four years from the start of the book. The mission will leave Earth, and it's being run by an organization called Prime Space, which is kind of an analog for Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX project. So these three astronauts, Helen, Yoshi, and Sergey, have been chosen, and they are undergoing just rigorous training and simulations, like Prime Space puts them in a spacecraft that's like out in the desert in the middle of, I think it's Utah, um, in an area that is supposed to look kind of like Mars. And they wear these visors that are basically virtual reality projectors so that when they leave the spacecraft, what they see in their visors makes them believe that they're really, you know, walking around in outer space, playing on the surface of Mars. And it's also that prime space can observe what happens to these three astronauts when they're in such close quarters with each other for as long as a Mars mission will take. But they're also observing the friends and close family members of the astronauts and trying to see like what this does to the family structures and what it does to society, sending astronauts into space or potentially sending astronauts up to Mars. So we primarily get Helen Yoshi and Sergey, but there are awesome other chapters that are sort of built in interstitially about some of their family members. And so much of the humor comes in from those. There's a really memorable scene where like all the families are gathered together at the prime space cafeteria. And one of the women is uh, trying to pretend to be a crazy person, trying to pretend to be sane, I believe, um, just to like keep herself occupied around these people that she thinks are so boring. And it comes off just so funny on the page. And the book really is about these astronauts, not just going to outer space, but the inner journey that happens as they think they're going to kind of the farthest reaches that humanity 
has been to. And there's a lot of science in it. It's not as hard science-y as The Martian. It's also not as like the jokes aren't as straight up as in The Martian. But that same feeling of like, what does it mean to go do this really big thing, um, to go to the, like, not the end of the universe, but, you know, to go to outer space as a person and to learn what you learn about yourself in that process. It's great. It asks some really interesting questions. Um, I love a novel with a lot of ambiguity in it. And so this is one, like, if you need black and white answers when a book is over, The Wanderers is not going to do it for you. But if you like to sit in the questions, this is a really, really excellent book. And so it's one of my favorites of the year so far. It's The Wanderers by Meg Howry. Nice. Space. It was so good. I know. You got to have a space book. Yes. I'm very excited about the new Andy Weir. I don't want to get too excited, but I am excited. I know. It's one of those where like, it's going to be, you know, cross your fingers and hope it's it doesn't even have to be as good as The Martian. It just has to be not bad, yeah. is how I feel about it. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> um, want to tell us about our first sponsor? Yes, I do. It is A Dark So Deadly by Stuart McBride. It's a gripping standalone thriller from the Sunday Times number one bestselling author of the Logan McRae series. DC Callum McGregor's career was going pretty well until he covered up a mistake to protect his pregnant crime scene tech girlfriend. Now Callum's stuck on the squad with all the other misfits, the officers no one else wants but who can't be fired, never likely to get within reach of a decent case again. That is, until they accidentally get handed the biggest murder investigation the city of Old Castle has ever seen. When a mummified body is found in the local garbage dump, the top brass assume pranksters have stolen it from a museum. But as Colm and his colleagues investigate, it starts to look less like a student hijinks and more like the work of a terrifying serial killer. Ooh. Ooh. I have this one somewhere, and I'm going to go dig it out as soon as we're done and make sure I read it, because that sounds awesome. So this is coming from HarperCollins, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, and you can find out more about it there. And we thank them for sponsoring. Again, it's called The Dark So Deadly by Stuart McBride. Awesome. I like it when they like have like police in England and they're like DC and you know DSU and DS and I think that's cool like when they say it, like mm-hmm. when I watch Luther and he's like DC Ripley or whatever it's pretty awesome I'm babbling <laughs> anyway I'm gonna be like F you Hardy um anyway <laughs> can I say that yes okay so it's moving on to nothing like that at all my next pick is American War by Omar el it is about the second American Civil War that takes place at the end of the 21st century. Surratt is a six-year-old girl living in Louisiana with her family. The war had, was started over oil. The North wants to stop using oil. The South does not. There's lots of fighting. Her father is killed. And Surratt and her family are forced into a camp for displaced persons. There they must stay for many years, hearing the stories of the other people around them, while the fighting is going on around them, they're just sort of stuck in this camp. And like I said, they stay there for many years. And as Surat grows, she meets a man who turns her into a weapon of war. He sort of charms her and uses her vanity and her intelligence to, you know, compliment her and trick her. And she becomes a deadly weapon. And as I read an interview with the author, he said that all of the events in this book have actually happened. They just have not ever happened here in the States or most of them have not happened here in the States. It's just a really brutal and brilliant book. It's not, despite like being about war, it's not a fast-paced book. It's it's a really slow burn. It, there's a lot of, lots to think about here, and it just, it just 
doesn't like speed right along. It's just a lot to, to take in. It's so beautiful and it'll stay with you for a long time. Again, it's called American War by Omar El Akkad. All right. My next favorite of the year so far is Chemistry by Wakey Wang. Um, I just talked about this one a couple of weeks ago. It's a pretty new release, so I won't go into too much detail, but it's about an unnamed narrator, a young woman who is in the third year of a doctoral program in chemistry, and she is not sure that this is actually what she wants to do with her life. She's struggling in the lab. She's struggling in her schoolwork. She is not sure this PhD is actually going to happen. And she's also not sure that she's like that upset that her PhD might not happen. But she does know that it is what her parents, who were Chinese immigrants, have wanted for her. And she can't shake off that piece of family pressure and cultural identity and being a first-generation student in that way. She's also not sure what to do about her relationship. Her longtime boyfriend has proposed multiple times, and she keeps telling him that she's not ready to answer yet, but he, his patience is wearing thin, so she has to figure out if she wants to marry him. Does she want to get married at all? What kind of life does she want? This is a really quiet story. Um, there was some discussion on the Book Riot Insider Slack about how a lot of it is set in present tense. And I think I mentioned that when I talked about it on the previous episode as well. Um, I don't mind that at all. I really like it in a story like this that's taking you right into a character's experience. But just a note that there's a lot of present tense in this, if that's a thing that doesn't quite ring your bells. It's kind of a like late quarter-life crisis book. Um, and it's about what we do with these big questions of love and family and identity and ambition and that divide between all the things that we think we're supposed to want for ourselves and the things that it turns out we might actually want for ourselves. Um, if you liked The Department of Speculation by Jenny Offal, I think this book is right in that same vein. Um, obviously, the character's a little bit younger. The Department of Speculation is more about marriage and infidelity, but this is that same feeling, a really quiet, packs a very powerful punch. Again, it's called Chemistry by Wei-Ki Wang. Nice. Yes. I always have like a one word answer. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up. I'm going to say something crazy next time. <laughs> Five hairballs. <laughs> That's right. So I don't think that my next pick, I actually talked about this year when it came out. I talked about it like in a preview, but I did not speak about it. I don't know why. I'm like, why did I, I miss this? It's so good. My next favorite book of 2017 is The Fact of a Body, A Murder and a Memoir by Alexandria Marzano Lesnevich. And it's a memoir, like it says. And it's about how uh, Marzano Lesnevich, she, when she was in college, she volunteered for a summer internship in Louisiana. She is the daughter of lawyers. She has always known that she wanted to be a lawyer when she was growing up, and she knew that she wanted to fight the death penalty. Her parents were against the death penalty. She was against the death penalty. So she took this position in Louisiana where she was going to help people fight the death penalty, like help inmates on death row. But one of the first cases that she encounters when she's there is the case of Ricky Langley, a man on death row, for murdering six-year-old Jeremy Guillory. And she changed her mind about the death penalty. She couldn't believe, like, this man, she she started thinking, like, maybe there are people that deserve to die, you know, and, but then what really intrigued her was that in one of the um, appeals that Ricky Langley put forth, Jeremy's mother actually testified on Ricky Langley's behalf, like, she didn't believe in the death penalty, and that really intrigued um, Marzano Lesnevich, and so she looked deeper into this case, 
And as she looked into Langley's past and his upbringing and the sexual abuse that he encountered as a young child and the death of his brother, you know, it brought up these memories and similarities in her own life that she couldn't ignore. The abuse that she suffered at the hands of her grandfather and the fact that her family also lost a child. And it's this amazing, just the writing is just incredible. It's so incredible. And it's just this amazing story of like, at what point does someone become irredeemable and she also gives this incredible voice to the victims and to Jeremy's mother. And it's just, it's heartbreaking and, like, it's so hard to read. Like, seriously, don't don't uh, read it all at once or, you know, feel free to put it down because it, it is, the, like I said, this, the murder of a small child. So it, it is really terrifying, but also just incredibly smart and brave and just so interesting Again, it's called The Fact of a Body, A Murder and a Memoir by Alexandria Marzano Lesnevich. I am seeing that everywhere. And I can't, like, I feel sad that I missed out on it before it came out. And now I can't decide if I should listen to it on audio or if that would be too brutal. And should I, like, read it in print so I can put it in the freezer in between chapters? I feel like, I feel like one of our writers just listened to it. Maybe Jeff? Did Jeff just listen to it? Uh, I feel like some. Yeah, somebody. I think maybe he did. Someone listened to it and said they thought that I could hack it, but I, I don't know. I don't know um, why. For some reason, like, I, like still to this day, even several failed attempts, I've not listened to an audiobook. But some, <laughs> like, when I think about listening to something like this, I like my brain tells me that it would be much harder for me to listen to it than to read it, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, that's been my experience with things that are really graphic. There's something about. To me, at least, there's something about hearing the words that makes all the imagery of it much more present, I guess. Um, I ha- I've had that experience a couple of times where like something has just been too much on audio. Oh, but to take a quick diversion, because since we're talking about audiobooks, a month or so ago, you recommended Gabourey Sidibe's This Is Just My Face. Yes. And I just finished it on audio, and it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's, so funny. You're, she is so funny and what an interesting life. Um, but like you talked on the show about how she talked about being um, a phone sex operator and she does like impressions <gasps> of it on the audio book. Oh, no, I want to listen to it. It's really excellent. Um, so yeah, if you all, if you're listening to the show and you want a good memoir to drive around with this summer, Gabourey Sidibe is a good one. Um, before I go to my next pick, we have another sponsor this week. It's Harmony by Carolyn Parkhurst. This is a novel about how far a mother will go to try to save her family. The Hammond family is living in D.C. Everything seems to be going just fine, but it's becoming clear that their oldest daughter, Tilly, is developing abnormally. She is a mix of off-the-charts genius, but also very socially incompetent, and once she gets kicked out of the last school in the area, the family turns to Camp Harmony and the wisdom of a child behavior guru named Scott Bean for a solution. But what they discover in the woods of New Hampshire will push them to the very limit. Um, I read this last year. I loved it. The family have been following this guru kind of online and he has come to meet with them and he's told them that like his solution is to take families out basically out into nature to live very simply in a sort of collective environment and that this will help their families become closer together. It will also help solve the children's behavioral problems. Every family at Camp Harmony has one child with a behavioral problem and the rest of the family is there to sort of, you know, try to support that child and also keep their family together. But really bananas things happen, as you can imagine would happen when people just follow someone that they don't really know much about out into the woods. Um, So the book tackles 
what's going on in families that have children with special needs. Um, the author, Carolyn Parkhurst, has a teenage son who has Asperger's, and she felt like this was a story that she was very qualified to tell. It's also about family bonds, the strength of love, and really how far families are willing to go to try to find a solution. You know, when you are really desperate, things that sound bananas start to sound not bananas. Um, it's just a page-turning novel, perfect for the summer, would be really excellent for book clubs as well. So I'm thrilled that they're sponsoring this week. Again, it's called Harmony. It's by Carolyn Parkhurst, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. You could pick it up in paperback now, wherever books are sold. All right. And that rolls me into my third favorite book of the year so far. And this is the last of my fiction picks this week. It's Idaho by Emily Ruskovich. This came out, I think, the very first week of the year. And it's a very quiet novel, and it's a debut novel. And it came out the very first week of the year. And I don't think that it got talked about nearly enough. It's really, really lovely. It's about a couple named Anne and Wade who live in northern Idaho in this very rugged, difficult landscape. Wade is slipping into dementia, and Anne, who is his second wife, is trying to piece together the truth about what happened in his life before her with his first wife and his daughters. And very terrifying things happen to them as Wade is slowly losing his mind. He becomes violent sometimes. He becomes very scared sometimes. Anne is very bewildered and terrified and trying to take care of her husband. The landscape is wild and very stark. The emotions of the book are wild and very stark. It's raw. You can just feel the struggle that this couple are having with each other. But the writing is also just so beautiful and so introspective. It really, really struck me. Um, I've read several novels that deal with characters um, who have dementia or who are, you know, watching a partner deal with dementia, but I've never read something that really brought it home, brought the feelings of it home in such a present way um, that really wrestles with the difficulty of watching a person you love slowly slip away and what that feeling of gradual loss does to you as well. And it's just, it's sad. This book is sad and it's difficult, but it's so, so beautiful and it raises some really good questions. So again, it's Idaho by Emily Ruskovich. Five melon balls. (laughs) Are they melon balls dipped in? uh, Well, now I'm going to date myself maybe, but when I was in high school, we would soak melon balls in Everclear. <laughs> it's, it is disgusting. No, um, definitely now not. That I, let's move past my embarrassing teenage admissions. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of teenagers. To, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> my next favorite book of 2017 is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. This book has been, I think, at the top of the bestseller list since it came out. Like, just Mm -hmm. every week on Twitter, I see her go, hey, you guys, look what happened again. And it's so deserving. It's so fantastic. And unfortunately, so timely and topical. It's about a 16-year-old girl named Star Carter. She lives in a poor neighborhood, but she attends a prestigious private school. And she likes to keep her school life and her home life separate. Like, she doesn't let people in from, from either places and one time when she's at home, she attends a party uh, with her, her home friends. And on the way home from this party, her friend is driving. They get pulled over. Um, things happen. And her friend Khalil is shot and killed by a police officer. Khalil was unarmed, but he's shot and killed by a police officer. Now, she doesn't know what to do. The media and the cops are smearing his name. They're saying, like, he was a drug dealer. He was in a gang. He had a gun. 
Um, the people at her school are speculating, you know, making up their own theories about, like, what happened with the shooting near, you know, where they live. Um, protesters are taking to the street, you know, in his defense. And Star is worried. She's worried for her safety. She's worried for her family's safety. She's worried for her community. She doesn't know what to do. She's the only one who saw what happened, and she doesn't know what telling her story and telling the world her name is going to do, and if she should even de- if she should even do it, and if she does, like, will it even make a difference? It's just this absolutely heartbreaking, like I said, topical story. It's so beautifully written. It's so sad, but it's so good. Again, it's called "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas. Oh, it is so good. I was like, Liberty, when you got it on your list before I got it on mine. Oh, I would have given it to you. <laughs> oh, no, we can just celebrate it together. Yay. I think I got to talk about it on release week. So now we've both gotten to talk about awesome. it. Um, my next pick is we're moving into the memoir portion of the Shinsky picks now. It's Abandon <laughs> Me by, by Melissa Phoebos. This is a memoir in essays about. Phoebus's life because that's what memoirs are. Um, Good job, and thank you. Yeah, they. Uh, I get paid to talk about books, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I guess that's probably a mystery to all of us. Uh, anyway, the this memoir is about how her life has been defined in many ways by abandonment. Her birth father left her family, and the fear of being abandoned combined with like the urge to push away the people that she's close to in order to do that self-fulfilling prophecy thing of being abandoned again is a pattern that she's exploring in her relationships now that she is an adult and is able to look at her family life, but also her romantic life and see what this compulsion to get attached and then pushed away has done to her. Um, The book is about family, but it's also about sex and love and lust and identity. It's about this obsessive long distance affair that she has for quite a long time. It's really intimate. It's very raw. Um, I read it on a plane and it was one of those moments where like sometimes reading something that's a really intimate look into someone else's life when you're in a public place, like to me that can feel very jarring or like everyone around me is looking at me knowing that I'm like having this very personal reading experience. Um, but it was one of those, like you just feel like you're kind of in a quiet room with Melissa Phoebos and she's confessing these most like tender personal things to you in just gorgeous language. Like this is a person who has carved out her insides in order to present them to the world in these essays. And it's just phenomenal. And so again, the book is Abandon Me by Melissa Phoebos. Awesome. Oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. The one word thing. (laughs) So speaking of awesome, yay! my next pick is My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris. I think I went on about this book forever the last time I talked about it, and I could talk about maybe, it again forever. Maybe so, It's yep. so good. It's a spectacular graphic novel. Um, do you want me to explain what a graphic novel is, or do you think that... I think you, I think we know. I know you explained what memoir was, so I just wanted to make sure we... I didn't know if we were doing that. It's this amazing graphic novel, and it takes place in the late 60s in Chicago, and it's the fictional graphic diary of a 10-year-old girl. Her name is Karen Reese, and she is a huge fan of B-movies and monster movies and mystery magazines, and she has this wild imagination, and she gets it in her head that her upstairs neighbor has been murdered. Her neighbor is, in fact, dead. They've ruled it a suicide, but she thinks her neighbor has been murdered, so she decides she wants to be a detective. She gets a trench coat, she gets a notebook, and she starts asking questions, and she keeps them in the form of, like, this graphic diary. And it's the as the book goes on, it's these interconnected stories 
of her life. Like, she lives at home with her older brother, who is a real heartbreaker in the neighborhood, and she has a sick mother who lives at home with them. She looks into the life of her neighbor, who was a Holocaust survivor, and she finds out things about her life when she was living in Germany. And it's so original, and I could talk about the artwork forever. Um, it's so visually stunning, and the artwork is done on, it looks like on notebook paper, like you have the the ruled paper. It's it's so cool. And Karen draws herself as the wolfman, so like she has this little wolfman character that's like interviewing people. It's so great. This is the first part of the book. The second part is coming out in 2018, and I won't go into the big long story of how hard it was for Emil Ferris to get this book out, but... Just look it up because it's incredible. And it's been so great to see all of you who have been making posts and tagging me on Litzy and Instagram and Twitter, like, that you also got your hands on this book and you love it because it's probably my favorite thing of 2017. Again, it's called My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris. All right. I'm moving into a more fun one now. We've had some heavy picks. Yeah. Um, so my fun memoir pick for best books of the year so far is Who Thought This Was a Good Idea by Alyssa Mastermonico. She was a senior aide to President Obama. She was in charge, I think, at first of scheduling and advance planning. Like when they were taking 50 people on a trip to Europe, it was her job to figure out how to get them all there, where they were all going to go, what the logistics were going to be, what the rules were for like what to wear to meet the Pope, all kinds of things. She was one of the youngest people to ever hold that job. I think the first woman to hold that job. She was the first woman to ever have the office that she had um, in the White House. And she followed in the footsteps of a bunch of incredible, much older and more experienced men who had had the position. So she's really breaking through the glass ceiling in a lot of interesting ways. And this book is part memoir about her years in the White House. It will, uh, if you are missing what the White House used to be uh, and like obsessively following Pete Souza's Instagram account like I am, then this will ring your nostalgia bells. But it's also funny and insightful and it's structured with each chapter being about basically a character trait that you should want to develop in yourself, like perseverance or creative problem solving. I can't remember what they specifically were. Um, and then she frames like the perseverance one in terms of an experience that she had in her career where she either had to persevere or she had to figure out how to persevere. There's one about like owning up when you make mistakes where she tells some funny, but also sort of like <gasps> stories about mistakes that she made. And the title refers back to the point that she was a big decision maker for a lot of things. So if something did not go well and Barack Obama walked in wanting to know who thought this was a good idea, it, she had to own up to the fact that it was her. Um, I think it's a great book about work life, about um, ambition as a, a particularly a young woman in a male-dominated and very competitive kind of work environment. Really funny and down-to-earth as well. Um, would be probably a lot of fun on audio. So that's Who Thought This Was a Good Idea by Melissa Master Alyssa Mastermonico. Um, and when I was making my notes for the show and thinking about how she writes about ambition and pursuing your dreams. Um, I wanted to shout out to another great book about that, that um, I talked about earlier this year called Double Bind Women on Ambition. It's an essay collection edited by Robin Rahm and uh, every section in it. Every essay is by a different woman from a different kind of life. There are writers, but there's also someone from Hollywood. There are stay at home moms, just all kinds of women contributed to this anthology about the idea of ambition and really the double bind that women who have any kind of ambition find ourselves in, um, pulled between career and family, pulled between career and having children, pulled between your ideas for your career and everyone else's ideas for your career. It's really smart and interesting. So we made it 
almost to the bottom of the show before we started cheating, but that's my shout out here to The Double Bind by Robin Rom. Nice. All right. Bring us home. This is, it's so it was so hard to pick. I remember like the first couple of months of this year I was thinking Mm, I'm not reading as many books that I enjoy. And then all of a sudden, I just got this adrenaline shot, and it felt like every book I was reading was amazing. And I literally had a list of like 30 books that I was considering for the show because it was so hard to choose. There are that many great books. Um, but out of all of those, I picked this last one because it's so good. And it came out close to the beginning of the year. And like you were saying with Idaho, I feel like it's not getting enough attention. So I'm going to talk about it. It's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. This is probably one of the best family sagas I've ever read. Definitely one of the best books of this year. It's just this gorgeous story about four generations of a Korean immigrant family. It starts off in the early 1900s. The Japanese are occupying Korea. And there's a daughter of a fisherman. She and her mother run a sort of um, home where they take in boarders to make ends meet because no one has any money right now while this is going on. And she falls for a wealthy man that she meets in town. Spoiler alert, he's a cad and she gets pregnant. And it's not really a spoiler, it's on the jacket. But anyway, um, (laughs) so she doesn't know what to do. He's married, so, you know, that idea is off the table. Um, And one of their boarders happens to be a sickly minister who is passing through on his way to Japan and he sees this as a test from God and his ability to help someone in need, so he offers to marry her and take her to Japan. And so she agrees. She wants to get away. You know, she doesn't want to bring any more shame to her family as an unwed mother, so she goes with the minister to Japan. They end up living in this poor neighborhood where they are treated like criminals um, and very, and looked down on, but, you know, she, she makes this life there, and as the story progresses from the birth of the baby, it moves up through the century of this family, you know, doing what they must to survive, and but also, like, pushing back in their own ways and how people are so strong in the face of adversity. And, you know, it takes place in, in markets and universities, and there are criminal elements, and it's so good. It's, like, 500 pages, I think, but it flies by. You wouldn't even know it. And it's just very lyrical, and she's such a compassionate writer. I cannot wait to see what she does next. Again, it's called Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. That is my last favorite pick of 2017. No, you. Oh, I just talked about this book because it just came out, but we would be remiss to do best books of the year so far and not mention it again. It's Hunger, A Memoir of My Body by Roxane Gay. Um, this, I mean, by far the best memoir that I've read this year, probably the best memoir I will read this year. It's hard to imagine something that could surpass it. Um, Roxane Gay writes about the uh, brutal sexual violence that she experienced when she was 12 that has shaped her life. It shaped her relationship to her body. Um, It caused her to overeat to the extent that she has become She became very, very heavy. She's also a very tall woman. And so the book is about living in her body as a black woman, as a fat woman, as a survivor of racial violence, as a victim of racial violence, and trying to come to a place where she can love and accept herself and what that journey has been like and is like and will continue to be like because there's not really an end point to that. It's brutal. It's bracing. I think just astonishing for how clearly she looks 
directly at these most difficult experiences that people can have, the ugliest kinds of experiences that we can have and what they do to us and how just bare she is with talking about it. The language is not dressed up at all. It's very matter of fact, which I think makes it even more powerful that it's very, here is what happened to me. Here is what I did and what I felt in the aftermath. Here is what has become of my body. And here is like trying to learn to live in this body and to love her body and appreciate it. And all the struggles that surround that it's man, it's a book. Um, I don't feel equal to the task of talking about it really. Like I was nervous talking about it the week that it came out. I'm nervous talking about it right now. I just don't know how to do justice to the kind of work that Roxane Gay has done in this book. This book is a gift um, to anyone, especially women, especially if you have trauma or any sort of difficulty about your body, which to some degree or another, we all have, you will relate to something here. Um, And there's just, there's so much heart. She's done I think this book is a public service um, to talk so openly about what it is to live with our memories in our bodies. Um, It's really just one of a kind. Again, it's Hunger by Roxane Gay. We did it. We did. And I'm just going to sit over here having like residual nerves about trying to talk about that book. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard Um, one. It is. Um, What are you going to read next? Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, just this morning in the mail, I got The Power by Naomi Alderman, who, which I believe just won the Bailey's Prize. Anyway, it's the tagline is, what if women suddenly possessed a fierce new power? So, hey now. Oh, and it has a poem from great. Margaret Atwood. It says, electrifying, shocking, we'll knock your socks off, and then you'll think twice about everything. So I'm sold. <laughs> I'm going to read that next. That's great. What are you going to read next? Um, I'm going to... I'm going to get all my tissues ready because I'll be reading My Glory Was I Had Such Friends by Amy Silverstein. Um, she It's about her, I think she had a heart transplant when she was a younger woman and then, or when she was a girl. And 26 years after that, she finds out that her heart is failing again and she needs another transplant. And she's on the donor, like she's on the waiting list for the heart transplant. And she calls her best girlfriends to her. And the book is about how her group of, I think it's nine close girlfriends carried her through that experience. So it's about women's friendships um, and that sort of magical support and intimacy that women's friendships can have. And like, I'm choking up talking about getting ready to read the book. Goodness. So I'm going to probably just, it'll be, uh, it'll be a five alarm snot bomb, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> um, that's it. So that's it. Happy halftime show. Woo-hoo. Thank you again to our sponsors, Talenti Gelato and Sorbetto, A Dark So Deadly and Harmony. We'll have links to all of those in the show notes. And of course you can find the books wherever books are sold. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute, you want to give us a little tip, we would love a rating or a review on iTunes. It really goes a long way to help us stay up there in the algorithm and help other folks who are listening to find good bookish shows to find their way to us and be sure to tune in on friday to liberty's first episode of all the backlist yes it'll come right into the stream you don't have to do anything i'm crossing the streams (laughs) so but on top of that as much as we would like to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now or titles out now i should say today in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter 
Woo. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy reading. <laughs> <laughs> happy reading. Uh, happy reading. Bye.